Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, everyone. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host here for the next hour uh, here on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, we have a you know, two great guests uh, lined up here today, and uh, we're almost out of guests for the year. In fact, we're closing in on some of the final shows of 2015, but... Don't worry, we have uh, an incredible lineup of guests already scheduled for the first, uh, at least the first quarter already, for 2016. So we hope you'll come back and uh, hear what our future guests have to say as well. Just in case this is the first time that you are tuning in, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent management, leadership development, company culture, and you know, basically in the business world, there really are kind of two different meanings to talent. And the first is how it relates to success. You know, what are these really talented people do that we can learn from? And the second is how it relates to human resources and how HR leaders find those best candidates. So, you know, how are we dealing with our talent within our companies? And this show really looks to explore those two different areas along with how these talented individuals can impact a company's culture. My guests on the show typically... Uh, range from CEOs and HR execs to entrepreneurs and coaches and just just all sorts of fantastic business leaders from just about every industry you can think of. And I've run into these great uh, people through networking events and conferences, sometimes on LinkedIn or personal uh, referrals from past guests. Just when I find somebody that really seems to have an important or interesting story, we love to get them in on this forum so you can listen in on our dialogue. Uh, learn some practical advice on how to cultivate talent and develop your leaders, manage your culture, and most importantly, impact your own career in a positive way. I want to thank those of you who are tuning in here live every Tuesday. If you have a question for one of my guests, uh, just submit it via Twitter. Uh, my producer, Mike, and uh, who's always faithfully uh, tweeting, uh, live tweeting all of our shows, you can send his, the questions to at peopleg2 and use that hashtag talent talk. And my, he can uh, feed them over to me as uh, if we find some good ones that we're not already uh, asking. He'll uh, shoot them over to me and we will try to get them into the show. Don't forget you can tune into the show uh, in other ways uh, via the podcast. That's how most people are coming in. Uh, well over 250,000 of you. Uh, accessed at least one or more of the shows last week, and we really appreciate uh, all the support. You can also go on. We're building a new audience on our syndicated iHeartRadio show as well, so you can hear the shows there. And uh, you can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com. So now that all the business is out of the way, let's go ahead and get to our guests. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got two great ones today. My first one will be uh, Mark Villarreal. He's the uh, Senior Vice President of Five Point Enterprises. And we'll also then have Mark Miller. So it's a show of Mark's today. Uh, he's the Vice President of Marketing uh, for Emergenics International. I look forward to speaking with uh, Mark Miller on the second half of the show. But let's go ahead and get to our first guest, uh, Mark Villarreal. Mark, welcome to the show. 
Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Well, we're excited to have you, and why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you're doing for your company, Five Point Enterprises. Well, for about 35 years, I've had the privilege of uh, managing people and managing uh, teams. Um, on my 20th year, you mentioned Five Point Enterprises. I'll kind of explain the dynamics there. Uh, New Horizons Computer Learning Centers is where uh, I'm on my 20th year, but it's a franchise organization that has company stores and franchises. So I have served both on the franchiser side and on the franchisee side of the business. And, you know, part of what I do, first of all, is I strongly believe that leadership makes a difference and that the best leaders approach leadership with a servant's heart. So, you know, with New Horizons, uh, Five Point Enterprises is one of the franchise ownership groups that owns about 22 locations in 12 different states. So we're one of the largest in North America. And New Horizons Computer Learning uh, Centers, they help businesses achieve uh, and maintain their strategic advantage through uh, technology and computer training to keep them current. Or we also help individuals change their life by training them in technology to advance or change their career. So, uh, you know, New Horizons uh, is in over uh, 300 locations worldwide in 70 countries. So quite expansive. Uh, but I've been with the uh, Five Point Enterprises group. I've been both on both sides, as mentioned, but I've been with Five Point Enterprises about six years now, and uh, we have over 300 employees. So hopefully that tells you a little bit about myself, New Horizons, and Five Point Enterprises. Yeah, it certainly gives us some good background here to know uh, a little bit about what your company's all about, and we're going to probably dig a bit deeper here, not only with the company, with you as well. And I know when I looked at your LinkedIn bio, one of the first things that caught my eye was that you have a passion for developing people in a manner that really helps them achieve their goals. So as a business leader, you know the importance of personal and professional development, which I think sometimes people ignore that that dual um, perspective. Um, Sometimes we only focus on the professional part when we're dealing with our staff. So what is it from a leadership development perspective uh, we can do to really help people reach both of their professional and personal goals? Well, first of all, to understand, you know, it's not taboo to understand what their personal goals are. So I think the first thing as a leader is uh, to come across genuine as an individual to, and to show interest in that person. Uh, when people see you as genuine, uh, they see things more from, than just the business. Uh, they, and they actually see that you have goals, and uh, whether personal or professional, wanted to achieve, and uh, it puts things on a better perspective. Yeah. I, you know, I would say that I believe good leaders work to understand their individual people, both personally and professionally, and when you understand that, you realize that uh, they affect each other. You know, what they want to succeed in professionally helps their personal goals as well, and, and understanding that's important. One of the things that over time I find amazing is that when you take time to know about your individual people from a genuine standpoint, uh, how much they open up and appreciate their place of employment. So it's not just a job. It's a place that they see that cares about helping them achieve personally and professionally. And uh, once we know that, then, you know, obviously taking the steps to create development plans in both areas. So when I talk about uh, you got your professional development plans, but even personal development plans, you know, if it's we have sent people to seminars that help them develop that doesn't exactly tie back to their job, 
put it, I think a great leader is a good coach. And so I think great leaders coach constantly, and they don't make it about themselves but about their people. So when your people see that interaction, it's actually motivating, uh, and they they see it as not just a gimmick that you're trying to do, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes they'll approach it with caution until they see it in action and they see that you have done it for others as well. So once you have that, it's a lot easier to gain agreement on accountability, be open and direct when needed. You know, I always tell people, you know, if you need my help, I owe it to you to be able to come across directly and honestly. And, you know, do you want me to do that? And you'll always get that buy-in when you approach it the, the right way. You know, finally, it allows you to celebrate the victories, share successes, and it allows you to point, because you understand both, to the small wins that are leading up to the big wins of uh, obtaining those goals. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you touched on a lot of a lot of great things there. I mean, even just the very first one about it's not taboo to talk about personal goals. And a lot of times uh, we don't do that because maybe it's taboo or maybe sometimes people just don't care. I'm not sure. But we're looking at that employee that person as a whole is you know where are you trying to go in your life period whether it's just with work or not and there's so many things that cross over I mean, we spend more time at work for a lot of people than we ever do at home or with our own personal stuff so adding us some sprinkling in of that can really give you a better connection and, and help you uh with your staff i also kind of wonder you know how has the focus on others and their advancement and growth really helped you you know, to, to achieve your own personal goals as well. I mean, is there, has there been a connection there? Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I grew up with a father that was a sports fanatic, watched, had every TV on a sports a game with him. But and allowed me to see that the best coaches, you know, so I always relate a lot of things to sports. But they focus on their team players. They focus on their game plan. And as they focus on their players and the game plan, as their people develop and have success, it all has to be tied back to their success. So it really shows where the best focus should be. And the the coaches with a vision, because they're developing people, actually build a legacy so where that team can be successful even years after they leave because of what they built because of that development. So it's not short-sighted. So, you know, that allowed me to learn early on in my career that it's not about me. It's, it's about the people that are employed that um, I talk about a servant's heart that I'm there to help serve and get them to their goals. And, you know, I think we all have seen, uh, Chris, the short-sighted manager where it's about me and it's about the hard work I'm doing for you. And uh, it, it doesn't have that long-term effect that builds really a great environment. So, you know, I just simply found that the more I focused on other individual success, that mine came naturally and then it developed the next leaders, uh, people being promoted, people growing. It creates a great culture. And uh, as they grew, it was easy to give them responsibility in larger roles. And, you know, many of them became strong leaders themselves. And, you know, that's just an environment that feeds itself. Yeah, and I think sometimes those short-sighted um, managers can really be worried, you know, if I help this person too much, you know, they're going to outgrow their position. They're going to outgrow our company. We're going to lose this person. And, you know, uh, and that could be true. I mean, that certainly could happen. But, you know, then ultimately you get someone who's stagnant, who's not 
progressing and, and they're going to end up leaving your company anyways or they're going to stop producing and you're going to wish they left your company. Do, do, you see, do you see that very often? Yeah, well, I mean, it, without the right environment, like you said, you're going to uh, see those that probably should leave and then those that you said that ah, they could have been successful, not stay. And that's why, you know, evaluating it, yeah, I, you'll hear me say many times, anyone that knows me, I talk about humility is a strength in a leader. So you have to have that humility to say, I either need to take action or I need to correct that. And that's where I say, you even earn the right to say, look, uh, uh, you know, I need to address these things here in order for you to be successful. And we have to agree on what we need to do to help drive that success. Or we have to agree that this isn't the place for you as well. Because you actually owe it to the other team members that are succeeding to keep that team successful as well. And yeah, I always say it doesn't make a person a bad person if they're not successful within your company. So there's that respect issue there as well. It's just like, hey, you gave me you know, the effort I asked for. It just wasn't for you, and I wish you the best. Right, right. And that can be tough to do for some people for sure. Well, I know that uh, you know, your current role as senior vice president, you have the opportunity to you really directly influence not only the performance of your direct reports, but also in the shaping of the culture of the company. So what do you identify as some of the keys to creating and maintaining that, you know, a positive or a productive culture for the company that you're in? Right. Well, first of all, and uh, there's a statement out there that culture is everything. And, I mean, I truly believe that in my heart. So to me, it only starts at the top. But it has to be driven from the bottom up, so you know, it all meets in the middle. And so I say that there's always several steps uh, when defining how to create the right culture. And it, it, everything starts with the right values uh, for your organization. And, uh, you know, when you set those values uh, and, you know, incorporating other people's opinions for those values. But most of all, when you define what those values are, that, uh, you know, I have a saying that values are what you live by, principles are, uh, are what you stand on. Those values become principles that, therefore, everything's automatic. If you say your value is integrity and someone drops a $5 bill and you don't tell them, hey, you dropped $5 bills, then you're not living your value. So actions speak louder than words. And once you define that, then everything else that you build from your organization ties back to that. So the people you hire, the people you keep, the people you promote, uh, and then you know the mission and the vision that you build all have to tie back to your values, and, and it's where everything's created. But then you know uh, I've had the privilege for working for some really good leaders that they constantly communicate the vision. So it's not setting a vision. And then saying, well, there's our vision. That's our vision statement. It's constantly talking about here's our vision. Here's where we're standing. Here's the strides that we're making. And here's our roadblocks or here's some bumps in the road that we had. Here's where you can make a difference. And that's the culture of people seeing direction, whether sometimes those roadblocks can be big roadblocks. But if they're understanding the vision and it's being driven from the top and then every leader drives it from there, it you know, that that creates that positive culture. And, you know, the one-minute manager talks about, you know, uh, and an old book when I read when I was 23 changed my life, uh, talks about catching people doing something right. So, you know, I talk about rewards and consequences. Obviously, I'd rather work with rewards and catch people doing something right, 
talk to them about that, help them work on their strengths. Uh, but, you know, there are consequences too, and that's where if you're managing in the right way, people open up to allow you and you owe it to them to be direct on what you need to correct or things that you need to do, and they appreciate that because you're doing it out of help driving their success. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, that it starts at the top, but it's certainly driven from the bottom up and you're kind of meeting in that middle point. And I, I, I can't agree with that more. I mean, that, that is something that so many companies don't realize. They either are totally top down and just ignore it, or they just figure it's bottom up and they don't do the planning they need to do to really direct things. Um, and so there's certainly a, a fair amount of planning that needs to go into any, you know, good business into a good culture. So, do you find there's a connection between the actual business plan and, and creating that and having that process really ingrained into the company to really help um, the company and the individuals and everyone reach their goals and have that have that kind of ideal culture that you're looking for? Yeah, I think it's very important that people have to know how you plan. Uh, you know, uh, strong leaders don't manage by consensus, so it's not like let's get everyone's consensus and we'll do that. They actually get you know have a way that they get everybody's input into the planning but a strong leader has to then go out and through action gain the consensus on what's been decided on the direction that you're going but to me planning and business planning is a roadmap to success and you know i always say we owe it to our people to give them a roadmap of how to be successful you know like many people i traveled over the holidays and i drove back from tennessee to texas on sunday and with the rain and with accidents and weather, you know, uh, there were times I had to get off the roadmap, but I knew where to get back on because I had a roadmap to reach my final destination. And that's what the good business planning does, you know, for people. It doesn't mean that there won't be roadblocks or detours, but it allows you to know where you have to get back on that road once you go around that detour because we believe that this is the destination that's going to take you to that success. And so as we educate people on that and as we manage to it and as we show people where they, you know, we're able to show them where they're strained, you know, uh, if, if you, you know, do a GPS, so to speak, that's what a roadmap is. Hey, here's the GPS, and but here's where you are. Your red dot's over here. We need to get back on the map, and this is why you're struggling. So it allows for better conversations, better planning, and, and better adjustments. Yeah, and, 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 you know, once you kind of have that whole system in place, uh, I'm wondering, too, if there, if you're starting to notice any changes with the changing workforce. Um, there's always been a lot talked about millennials and, and having that new generation coming in. One of the, the areas that we're noticing a lot of discussion on is this sort of transient or kind of sh- shorter longevity, let's say, for, for employees that, you know, we're getting... Um, a shorter lifespan, let's say, um, for this particular generation that's coming into the workplace. So have you noticed anything around that? Have you identified any, you know, sort of trends within your own company's hiring where, you know, people aren't aren't making it a career anymore that's not a, and they don't go to a company for 20 or 30 years or however long that you may only keep them for two or three or five. Have you seen any of that recently within your own work? 
You know, I, I have seen the warnings of it, so let me take it from that perspective. So I, I mentioned I'm in my 20th year, so when I tell some people that, they said, wow, usually people have worked this many jobs by within 20 years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, you know, I, the gentleman in the office next to me here hired 15 years ago. I have people that have been here, you know, 15 to 17 years, a good portion of them. Uh, and then uh, we are seeing millennials come onto the workforce, and it's really, I think, how we share the vision and tell the story about are you coming here for a job or are you coming here for a career? Because I think the mindset is a lot of people are looking for jobs, not realizing what a career is and how good that can be. And, and then finally I would say then it's the environment that you create. Uh, you want a work environment where people want to work, where if you had no openings they would fight to get a position. Uh, and I've I've seen that, uh, and I will say the best environment I've seen created is where you run a company where you say, "Give us 110 percent, and we'll do everything to advance your career with our organization, with our corporate office, or even with your personal dreams. If you want to own your own business, come give me 110 percent, earn the money that allows you to do that, and we'll help advance your career." And, and when, in the environment where we, we have that created, we have seen, you know, entry-level people. I can name four of them off, off the top of my head right now that went on to be high-level managers within our corporation and then other people who went and owned their own business. But they're the same people that are still referring us employees because they're saying that's a great place to work. And, you know, uh, I, I know what it takes to be successful there, so they send the right people, and it creates that culture that's infectious. Uh, it, you know, a culture can be infectious both ways, <laughs> a bad culture yeah. or good culture. Uh, and But it creates, you know, I always talk about A players, B players, and C players. Obviously, you want to create and hire A players. You need your B players to gravitate towards those A players, and then if, if you have any C players, you need to define really quickly if they're got just a C player and you need to, you know, they're the ones that aren't going to make it with your team, but if you keep them too long, they'll infect the B players because uh, th- that will gravitate towards those C players instead of you want them to gravitate towards those A players. Um, right. And, and that's the environment that it just becomes a cycle that's so infectious. It's just, uh, quite honestly, it's easy to work in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We certainly see that in companies that have great culture, that they have that, that kind of characteristic. Well, it, it seems like you have a pretty good handle on, on a lot of the different things that we talk about here on the show on a regular basis. And usually uh, when I ask this question with from a guest like yourself, we get a great answer. So I'm, I'm a lot of pressure here. I'm, at, I'm setting you up here for a great answer. Uh, are you reading a book right now? And can you tell us about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I do a lot of reading, so uh, I've actually uh, just finished a book called uh, The Circle Maker. So that's a Christian-based book, but it focuses on defining and listing out uh, what they call your 100 BHAPs. So we all heard of BHAGs, which big, hairy, audacious goals. Well, this is your big, hairy, audacious prayers, it, but it really talks about listing them out in several different categories and, and praying on them. And uh, so, therefore, you'd be amazed what comes through. Uh, the other book I just finished is a Double Double, uh, which is by Cameron Harold, uh, who is the, C- is the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And that teaches you to look three years out. You could even do it farther and create what's called a painted picture. In other words, think about 
or, or put yourself three years from now like it's today and write where you're at, what you're doing in business, what you've accomplished, what you're doing in your personal life. And when you do that, once again, that gives you the vision to look out. And, in fact, I did mine, and I have mine hanging on my wall, and I was amazed with how much that three-year vision is actually pretty accurate. So, But instead of guesswork, you're putting it out there, and it kind of helps you drive towards that. Well, it sounds like two great books that uh, people might want to check out. And just as a reminder that we always list these on our blog recap on peopleg2.com. You can go to the blog, and we'll have a recap here in a few weeks of this entire uh, interview, and we'll put the books there and list them out. So in case you didn't have a pen and couldn't write them down, they'll, they'll be listed there for you as well. And you can also go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, you, you've talked about a lot of great things today, Mark. Uh, if someone was... You know, didn't take very good notes, but they should have taken away at least, you know, one thing or, or one or two things. What, what what should they have heard today from, uh, from some of the great advice that you gave? I, I would say, first of all, leadership is not do as I say, uh, you know, not as I do. Uh, you're being watched, so a good leader leads by example. Uh, leadership's a commitment to build others and trust that by building their success, yours will come naturally instead of trying to look for the rewards openly, they'll come naturally. And a, a, a good leader, their rewards are seeing their people succeed. They're seeing their people on stage because they won awards and uh, because they're the best in the world. Uh, and uh, I don't think of anything that's more rewarding than that. So uh, that that's the fulfillment that a good leader uh, has and enjoys. Well, Mark, again, we really appreciate you being on the show. You've uh, given our listeners a lot of great information and some good, good books to check out, and um, love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on how you're doing and how your company's doing. And uh, I know we didn't even get to half the questions here, so we have a lot we can talk about. Well, I'd be happy. Just let me know, and I'll make myself available. All right. So, uh, uh, well, up next we'll have our second guest, the second Mark of the day, Mark Miller, who'll be joining me after this quick commercial break. <laughs> Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. As a reminder, you can, uh, if you have any questions here for my next guest, you can send them via Twitter at PeopleG2. If you can use that hashtag Talent Talk, that'd be great. But just pop in your question or any other um, suggestions you have for guests, questions, or anything else you'd like to send us. You can also visit TalentTalkRadio.com. Here are past shows, uh, the iHeartRadio app on any device or any computer. If it connects to the Internet, I'm sure you can find it on iHeart. And if you use an Apple device, an iPhone, an iPad, uh, or even iTunes, you can find us um, through the podcast app there as well. Just type in Talent Talk, and all of our past shows will be there, and you can uh, scroll through and listen as you please. So uh, coming up, uh, like I said, just at the end of the year, but we already got a great lineup for 2016, so make sure you check that out. My next guest is Mark Miller, VP of Marketing for... Uh, Emergenics, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, Emergenics International. So, Mark, welcome to the show. It's great to be on the show, and uh, actually it's Emergenetics International. So Emergenetics, uh, and you know, I think no I maybe said it correctly the first time, but there's always a standing bet, and usually it's only a nickel because I lose, that uh, I will say something incorrectly on the show, and I have done it again. So, it, I guess it wouldn't <laughs> be a Tuesday no if I wasn't mispronouncing something. But, uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm the Vice President of Marketing for Emergenetics International. In that role, I run our marketing uh, global strategy and operations. And what we do at the company is we study human thinking behavior in the workplace. And we work with organizations to use those insights about their people to change the way people work, uh, change how teams are put together and what the dynamics of those teams are to help them be more effective. And then ultimately to use both of, of those tools to drive organizational culture. And kind of the nuts and bolts of, of what that looks like is that we have a suite of psychometric assessments that measure thinking, behavior, uh, motivation, and job fit. And we do that across the entire employee life cycle from a pre-hire perspective to a uh, talent development uh, perspective to a team and leadership perspective. So... Uh, we look to cover the entire employee life cycle and all base it around uh, the innate understandings of what makes people tick and, and how they think and tape. Uh, my, myself, I, I actually came from a marketing and advertising background prior to uh, working at the company here, but now for the last nine years have been really fully immersed in this uh, world of talent management and talent development. Well, and so, you know, anyone who was a regular listener to the show might have wondered why we have someone whose focus is in marketing uh, on the show where we're talking about talent and people, but it, hopefully it's starting to become a little more obvious here that kind of have your finger in a lot to do with that. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what, you know, when it comes to an employer or uh, specifically HR marketing, what are some of the keys to, you know, a successful brand strategy to really it? you know, help the company attract the best talent? Because we're not all Google, we're not all Zappos or, you know, these employers of choice that, that, that everyone wants to work for. The rest of us have to work a little bit harder for that. Uh, so what, what are some of the things that you're seeing people be successful with? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a good point, Chris, and, and you're exactly right. Uh, the, the war for talent, obviously, as your listeners know and you know, is heating up and, and it's uh, stronger than ever. And so the, the connection between marketing and HR is actually becoming that much more uh, inclusive and important. And it's also something where 
we have seen and worked with organizations to build that in, entire employer brand. So the brand really that goes to their own employees, that's what I mean when I say an employer brand or an HR brand, is what do your employees and what do your uh, folks that are actually doing the work in your company know about what that company is and what it stands for? And so for for most companies, if you're not that Google or Facebook or really uh, highly well-known company that is going to open lots of doors and pay really well, it's got to be something that is driven from a more full brand strategy uh, as a whole. And so what what I want to really stress is the idea of not just looking at it from a singular HR or employer marketing, but how does that function in the way that you attract talent, retain talent, and uh, build that talent factor into what the, the brand is uh, of the company as a whole? And so... That, that's got to start with the vision at the top, and that has to be something that uh, to the outside world and prospective job seekers, you're seeing the same kind of uh, the same kind of message and the same kind of value proposition as what the end consumer is seeing for your project or, or for your for your organization or your product. So, in, in that way, it really needs to be a a very uh, singular message that, that people are seeing. And then from an HR perspective, in the same way that, that we work with uh, building a, a brand in terms of the company, it has to be uh, built in the same way for HR marketing. So thinking about what those key messages are about your brand that make it stick out and about your organization, using the right channels and to attract the right people. So if you're trying to hire uh, lots of young tech engineers and uh, folks in right out of college, there's going to be different channels that you're going to want to put more emphasis on. Uh, and then finally, it's got to be about defining the value and the why. So, you know, brands need to answer for their talent pool what makes them special, and that's more than pay and benefits, and it needs to be very clear what the purpose is behind the company because when people have purpose in their work, uh, that's been proven to help them stay longer and help them be more satisfied and more uh, happy in their work. One one clear example that, that I really like right now is uh, a huge brand that you might think would have no problem attracting great talent, uh, but clearly they are focusing a, a slightly different direction, and that's GE. So, so, you know, they're talking about what it means to get millennials uh, working there, and they're putting themselves out there as a brand that is uh, built for young, smart tech uh, people. And so, you know, that's positioning the company as innovative. It's positioning it techie, and people are starting. That's part of their broader ad campaign. It's hard to know what a company's hugest GE is all about, and so by really putting the employer brand at the forefront. It helps people understand the brand as a whole as well. So that's a, that's a great example. And they're, they're doing that beyond just television. They're doing that on social channels. They're doing that, uh, on things like LinkedIn and, um, even through podcasts. They, they have a, a podcast called The Message that's really focused, uh, not even on the product, but in attracting that kind of audience. So it's really innovative, uh, marketing and branding in the same way that you would brand an organization. Yeah, absolutely. And 
You know, I think a lot of this really comes from you have to create a pretty good strategy. And and part of that strategy and, and being successful is has to be some bit of trust between the leadership and the employees and really trying to remove that, that forward because, you know, leadership can come up with this fantastic plan and this great marketing, all this stuff. But if the employees don't really believe in the company, don't really believe in the leadership, they're not going to be as enthusiastic about getting the right people in the door. Um, or at least your applicants are going to pick up on that discontent or that distrust or, or whatever it may be. So have you have you seen, uh, you know, some examples or do you have some suggestions on how to, you know, kind of deal with that problem that a lot of companies have when they're you know, struggling to have that, that full connection between leadership and employees? Yeah, that, that's a, a great point, Chris, and you're exactly right. If you don't have uh, trust, it is going to be uh, very apparent both to your own employees and to the potential employees that uh, you're trying to hire. And so I think that, that for the first perspective, it absolutely has to be something from a leadership perspective that the company believes in. So when you talk about building an employer brand or when you talk about uh, using different new, uh, more innovative technology and uh, approaches to try and build a talent uh, recruitment pipeline, that kind of strategy needs to really be something that uh, the leadership of the organization is fully behind and committed to explaining and, and telling the employee base what this is and why they're doing it and why they think it's going to work. And so for, for that to work, it comes back to the marketing team and the HR team to you know, prove the worth and prove the metal of some of these uh, strategies and say, we're going to have a very visible uh, uh, digital Twitter presence in, in terms of connecting us to our, uh, that needs to be something where the, the teams are, are held accountable to get more applicants in the door, to uh, understand uh, who, they're, who they're reaching and, and why they're reaching those. So I, I think a, a trust factor really goes both ways in terms of uh, helping a company develop what that brand is. And you're right when you said that it's going to be very apparent. And even before a, an employee, a, a new employee gets into the door, you, people are doing more and more due diligence on what uh, that means uh, to work at that company. So companies and, and services like Glassdoor are making it very easy for potential employees to see what a new organization is is going to be like and what their employees felt about it. And with social media, employees are becoming much more uh, open about what it's like to work there. So the companies that do that well and don't shut down uh, things like social media, Twitter and Facebook and, and uh, those kinds of channels, they, they have the potential to uh, have instant word-of-mouth marketing, if you will, for potential employees to see from their friends, their peer group, uh, others that they admire or want to work in the same uh, kind of field or industry in. They have the potential to, to really see what that looks like. And the companies where that's encouraged and where you see a, uh, a real spike in the engagement of their employees, also can can see that kind of spike in terms of 
what employees uh, they're trying to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you kind of brought that point about um, applicants doing quite a bit of homework on the potential employer. It's funny, I, I've had this experience recently where three quarters of those applicants that I'm talking to have just done so much more homework than I'm ever used to. And it's refreshing, and they're asking great questions. They know more about the company, which makes me feel more comfortable one to make them an offer. But then that other quarter have the problem of, I almost want to ask them, what, what the heck is wrong with you? Why haven't you done any research? Why aren't you asking me any of these questions? <laughs> you know, everyone else is asking me, and I haven't decided if that makes them a good applicant or not, or bad applicant. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if it's just, some of it is, you know, the, the younger they are, that it does seem, not, not totally, but if I'm making generalities here, they are doing a bit more research so that they're, it's a part of that, that process, whereas maybe someone over 40 isn't doing as much of that glass door type research where you're looking at the culture part of it. They might know what we do really well, but yeah, they're so d- you know, different groups are kind of looking at different things. Um, yeah, I, I would, sorry to, to jump in, I, I, I would yeah. completely agree. And, and I think that, that there is a ge- generational difference that uh, you might see, but, but I also think that uh, the rise of, of culture and the importance of culture, especially in an economy now where, um, you know, knock on wood, it continues to be pretty good and, and hiring continues to uh, be moving up. Uh, it, you, can, you can really see uh, the importance of what a, um, what a great culture can do for an organization. And so, um, you know, I, I think for, for you to kind of look at those candidates, whether they've done a lot of due diligence on uh, the culture piece or not, it, it really comes back to, uh, to you and, and to any company to determine what, what the best uh, potential for a potential applicant is to fit into your culture because, you know, that's going to be the thing that uh, companies aren't going to be able to, to really mold as well. You know, you can build new skills and you can uh, help them gain experience, but if they're not a culture fit, that is going to be very difficult to, to change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it sounds like you were getting a couple of texts there. Hopefully your friends were saying, hey, I'm hearing you on the Talent Talk radio show. But um, it's, just, it's funny. I, unfortunately, uh, I am here in New York City, and we just got an amber alert. So I'm oh, assuming that it's that, that's why the it was weather. Going crazy. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, well, I know, you know, I was looking, uh, we were kind of doing our own research on you as well, and I, I ran across an article that you had written that was entitled, uh, What Do High-Performance Teams Look Like? I'd certainly uh, suggest people search that one out and uh, take a look at it, but it really speaks to the fact that different perspectives, when blended together, can really help a team achieve at a higher rate, and this is something I talk about in my um, talks all the time about trying to find people that are different. Um, yeah, they can, can they fit in? That's one thing, but they also need to be different. So you have a, you know, different voices and a different approach sometimes to things instead of everyone just kind of blindly all doing the same thing, um, all the time. Um, but you, you talk really specifically about a focus on the cognitive diversity. We do some stuff with strengths finders around that to try to, to tackle that component, but so maybe you could expand on what you guys are doing and really the importance of that cognitive diversity and how you know companies might think about benefiting from this type of 
of an approach if they you know are really trying to meet their high performance uh, goals for their teams sure and and uh, that that article is is on talent culture if people do want to look that up uh, that that website and, and if you haven't seen that website they're, they're a great resource for uh, different ideas on talent management uh, in in terms of, of cognitive diversity and how this really works from a high performance team perspective uh, this is the the real crux of the work that we do and the way that we approach it, and, and StrengthsFinders is, is another uh, great assessment tool. Um, and, and what I would say is that, you know, any assessment tool, you really want to look hard at uh, the psychometrics behind it and ensure that it is very reliable, very valid, and, uh, you know, very connected into what you want to measure. Uh, so what, what we do is, you know, we look at it from the perspective of we know that there are four distinct thinking patterns that uh, exist, and everyone has these thinking patterns, and it's just the difference in the way that they access them, what their energy is around those. So what we measure in Emergenetics is analytical thinking, social thinking, structural thinking, and conceptual thinking. And then we also measure three behaviors in that same uh, uh, profile, and we measure expressiveness, assertiveness, and flexibility. And we deliberately separate uh, the thinking aspects from the behavior aspects so that you can get a perspective of not just how people are acting and what their behavior is and what you see about them, but what's really going on inside their head. And that combination is what makes someone truly unique. And that gets exactly to the point that you're speaking about, Chris, which is that we, you want uh, a whole group of individuals and employees within your company to be fully behind the why of the company, you know, to be fully committed to the vision of the company. But in creating a cognitively diverse uh, uh, set of, of people who are going to come up with innovative ideas, who are going to challenge one another's thinking, who are going to look at things differently, that's where the, the what and the how, uh, that's where those things differ, and that's where the real value of uh, cognitive diversity is. And so... The way that we really work uh, with organizations around that is to, you know, actually go in and provide a uh, assessment uh, of each person, either on the team or within the organization, and give that person that unique perspective of, of who they are and you know what their profile looks like, what their thinking and behavioral preferences are, and we start to then use that as a, an eye-opener to realize just how different the people around them are and how they can, you know, not just understand those people, that's step one, but really actively seek out the different opinions. Because if things are done in a positive, strength-based way, like StrengthsFinder, like some of these other assessments, like Emergenetics, there is a, a, a real call for people to stand up and say, this is who I am and how I operate, and I can use this to uh, to be more productive, to be more effective in my work, and I also know that you're going to be different. And that understanding of where someone else is coming from is the biggest uh, the biggest aha that that our clients really get. And then you know to to move on from that, what we seek to do with our organizations then is to truly create a common language so that uh, people aren't coming from here's my experience set or here's the uh, 
department that I'm in, or in the case of a merger or an acquisition, I was from this company, you're from this company. Everyone's speaking that, that cognitive language. You're able to uh, better uh, have the, the, the folks on that team be able to access one another and collaborate utilizing those differences. Well, it sounds like, um, you know, there's some great tools and things that you uh, and your company are, are putting together for folks, uh, especially if they're really focused on bringing in those high-performance uh, teams, if they want to talk, talk about how to do this from a cognitive level as opposed to, you know, what is kind of just the baseline. People decide, well, do I like this person or not, or do they have the resume I think they should have, and those might be you know, decent factors to have into your overall assessment of a person, but they really aren't the deep, deep ways that you get those, those great employees. And, and you can get those, even if you're not getting a plus, plus, plus ones that are going to, you know, maybe to, like we said to Google Mm -hmm. or Apple or Zappos or whatever, but you can still get fantastic people for your organization. If you're, you know, really mindful about it, very specific about it. And it sounds like your company's offering a pretty good approach uh, to do that, um, and, and people may want to reach out and, and, and to learn more. Um, what's the best way for them to do that? If they're interested in learning more about your company, uh, what should they do? Sure. Uh, well, the, the, the easiest way to understand more about what we do is to go to our website, which is www.emergenetics.com, and the spelling on that is E-M-E-R-G-E-N-I-T. Uh, G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S, sorry about that, Emergenetics, uh, all one word. Uh, we're also uh, available on Twitter at, at Emergenetics underscore, and uh, also if you search for the company on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, you can access us there. And, you know, really the, the easiest way then is to uh, actually set up a time to to think about if, if a workshop or profiles uh, would be the right move for your organization because this is a very experiential uh, tool in helping companies work together better. And so the best way to do that is to, is to actually experience uh, what that looks like. Uh, so uh, if, if you head to the website, and then finally you can send me an email uh, or uh, our general email is brains, B-R-A-I-N-S, brains, at emergenetics.com, and I am mark.miller at emergenetics.com. Well, fantastic. Uh, I know uh, maybe some listeners out there that want to take a look at what you guys have to offer, and uh, we hope that uh, they can do that. We really appreciate you being on the show today, Mark, um, and hopefully we have you come back at some point and give us uh, an update on what you're doing. That would be awesome. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Chris. I, I love uh, listening to the show, and, and so it's a real honor to be on. Thank you. Well, uh, Mark, I will see. Sorry, there we have. Uh, I will tell you guys, we have like what two shows left for 2015. We've had this last show here with two marks on it, and uh, hopefully you can uh, tune in for those. And we'll be on break for a few weeks. Uh, next Tuesday, I'll uh, welcome. Uh, Andre Pace, CEO of The Growth Coach, and then we'll have Sean uh, Utterback, Chief Experience Officer for the uh, the Play Storming Group. Uh, but until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
You've been listening to Town Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2.